I'll be back with you next week. But tonight, I want to welcome Alex Bayo. Come on up, Alex. And we're excited to give you the rest of the time. So he's going to be sharing from First Kings. Yes, that is correct. Uh, good afternoon, church. How are we doing uh, this evening? Doing good? Awesome. Good to hear. Okay, like uh, Pastor Dave said, my name is Alex. I've been attending Calvary Chapel Old Town for the past eight months or so. Um, and, you know, I've said this once and I'll say it again for as long as I'm here. I've never seen another church where God's provision was so powerful than that I have seen with this church. I mean, this church is blessed beyond measure, and it is so awesome, and it's an honor to be able to call this church my home church. And so um, as we begin, before we begin to uh, dive into the Word of God, let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, God, this afternoon, this evening, gathered here together as a family of Christ, Lord. I pray that you go before us tonight as we break into uh, a time of devotion, a time of reading your scripture, as we um, get close to wrapping up the chapter 8 of 1 Kings. Lord, I pray that you just uh, speak to us now. In your name we pray. All right. So as a wave of introductions, chapters 1 through 11 deal with the United Kingdom under King Solomon's reign. According to the study in Scripture, King Solomon ruled Israel for 40 years. And that was between 970 B.C. to 930 B.C. During this time, God was at work. And so for tonight's Scripture, we're going to be reading out of 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 31 to 53. It is kind of a more lengthier chapter. This is uh, King Solomon's prayer uh, towards the temple. And, I mean, I wish I could cram the entire chapter into one sermon, but, I mean, it is lengthy. It is super long. And I know you guys want to uh, hurry up and get home. But, uh, so allow me to bring you up to speed. Verses 1 through 13 of chapter 8 is King Solomon brings the Ark of the Covenant to the temple. Now, verses 14 to 21, King Solomon blesses the temple. And verses 22 to 31, King Solomon begins a prayer of dedication in the temple. And this is where our study begins. Reading, reading out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 31, this is the New King James Version. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And it reads this. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head, and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And now when your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make a supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people of Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. Now when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, your name... And when they pray, sorry about that, and against you, now when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from this sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you should walk and send rain 
in your land which you would have which you have had given them to your people as an inheritance and now when there is famine in the land pestilence or blight or mildew or locusts or grasshoppers when the enemy besieges them in the land of their cities whatever plague or whatever sickness there is whatever prayer whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel when each one knows their their plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive them and act and give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know for you know for you alone know the hearts of all sons of men and verse 40 reads this that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers verse 41 moreover concerning a foreigner who is not of your people of Israel but has come from a far country for your name's sake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this temple, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. Verse 44. Now when your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Verse 46. Now when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to the land of the enemy far or near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where, where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive, saying, We have sinned and done wrong, and we have committed wickedness. And then, and then when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive and pray to you toward the land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all the transgressions which they have transgressed against you. <clears throat> and have great compassion before those who took them. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of the iron furnace. That your eyes may be open to the supplication of your servant and the supplication of your people Israel. To listen to them whenever they call to you. For you separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your inheritance. As you spoke by your servant Moses when you brought our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord our God. Amen. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you once again as we just dive into this scripture, Lord. This beautiful prayer of King Solomon, Lord. I pray that this prayer may wash over us and that we cling and hold dear to this prayer as it is so applicable for today's time that we're living in, Lord. And so I pray that you just rid me of myself and that you just speak through me, Lord. And I pray that you just uh, do what you have in store, Lord. And so we ask these things in your name, we pray. Amen. Okay, so this passage is pretty lengthy. Please bear with me as we just dive into it. 
So if anybody's taking notes, the title for this message I titled is The Power of Prayer and the Poison of Sin. You see, prayer is such a powerful thing, but so is sin. Tyler Staden, a pastor out of Brooklyn, New York, says this, Without prayer, belief becomes agonizing. Prayer is meant to be the hydration of the spiritual life and to run the race, but to run the race of faith without prayer is like trying to run a marathon without water. It is agony. And so in today's scripture reading, we'll be looking at five points of King Solomon's prayer, or rather the position of his prayer. And so now, the first point is the prayer for the people. It's taken out of verses 31 to 32. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then God here in heaven and act and judge your servants according to his righteousness. So when we examine the body of Christ, it is safe to say that one of the core building blocks that we need for a firm foundation is unity. Now, the word of God tells us this in Romans 6, chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions, and do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace." You know, it's understandable why King Solomon chose to first pray for the temple and for its people. You see, the integrity of a building's foundation is crucial. One inch to the left too far may cause into a big eruption or a destruction, and that's the same for the body of Christ. If us as believers are not right with the Lord, if we're not on the same path that God has called us, or if we're not in unison with with our fellow brothers and sisters, we too can be subject to crumbling. And it makes sense why King Solomon first prayed for the people, because the people who run the church are the people of God, but if the people of God are not following God, we are of the enemy. And so point number two is a prayer for perseverance. I think this is so applicable for now and the time that we're living in underneath uh, political preferences or persuasion under, you know, negative environments of workspace or even between our friends and our family. You see, King Solomon knew that with great power comes great responsibility. And for the follower of Christ, we know just as well that when we pick up our cross, we have to gear ourselves ready for battle against the enemy. For following Christ goes hand in hand with the enemy following us. And so in point two, I want to look at three uh, small subsections. Number one reads this, defeated by adversary, a prayer for restoration. Verses 33 reads this, now when your people of Israel are defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you and when they turn back to you and confess, then God hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people of Israel. When we allow sin to reign in our heart, we leave no space for Christ to dwell. You see, Christ is our only place of refuge. So once we start abandoning our protection from Christ, we mistakenly leave ourselves open for the attacks of the enemy. And number two, point number two of the subsection reads this, defeated by sinful nature, a prayer for resilience. Now, verse 35 reads this to 36. 
Now, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin, then God, hear in heaven and forgive the sins of your servants. You know, like Adam and Eve, our sin hinders us from our heavenly father. Charles Spurgeon says this, A little thorn may cause much suffering. A little cloud may hide the sun. Little foxes spoil the vines, and the little sin does mischief to the tender heart. These little sins burrow in the soul and make it so full of that which is hateful to Christ, that we will hold no comfort, fellowship, and communion with us. A great sin cannot destroy a Christian, but a little sin can make him miserable. And now point three of this subsection reads this also. Defeated by circumstance. Prayer for recuperation. Verses 37 to 40 reads this. Now when there is a famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locust or grasshopper or turmoil or a bad day or having to pay taxes or gas prices going up, whatever it may be, if it's our current circumstance, O God, hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all their ways. Now, the first two points deal with sin, if it's sin against God or sin against others. But sometimes not everything has to do with sin in the spiritual realm. Sometimes defeat doesn't come from the adversary or from ourselves. Sometimes defeat simply comes from our current circumstance. I mean, how many times have us, have any of us been stuck in a negative environment, unhealthy relationships with others, or political pressure or persuasion? You see, the wages of sin is death, death to our victory, death to our sanctification, death to our perseverance, or the way we live. You see, when we go to toe, when we go toe to toe with the enemy and this world, you know, I encourage you to pray this psalm. Psalms 119 verses 10 through 12 reads this. I seek you with all my heart and do not let, and do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord, teach me your decrees. We're living in trying times. I mean, in the midst of COVID and to political changes and to just things that are just happening around the world, it seems like as Christians, our back is against the wall. But we have to keep in mind and remember that just as King Solomon prayed for his, his people to continue to look back to the temple as a beacon of hope from Christ, or at least I should say for God, we too have to do the same when we're dealing with adversar- adversaries. 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 Okay, now point, uh, point number three is a prayer for the pardoning of others. Now this is taken from verses 41 to 43, which reads this. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but who have come from a far country for your name's sake, hear, God in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all of which the foreigner calls to you, that all peoples on earth may know your name and fear you. Okay, now King Solomon, I think this is pretty interesting because it shows that King Solomon not only seeks the well-being of his people, but he also is concerned of those who are around and those who may be strangers. You know, we can translate this into the ministry for outside of the church, such as a police barbecue, or going to the homeless shelters to serve, or even just meeting strangers at a restaurant. You see, our mission field is anywhere that is outside of our little bubble of comfort. 
You know, I love that King Solomon prays to God for the pardon of others because that just shows that us too, being Gentiles, can also be accepted into the kingdom of God. Isaiah 56, verses 6 to 8, read this. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servant, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mount and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, which is us, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those who are already gathered. You see, we are the foreigners, but his glory be to God that he calls us children of God. Now, point four is a prayer for protection. Verses 44 to 45 reads this. Now, when your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you may send them, Lord, hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. So now, so far we've been reading everything about how King Solomon is praying for everything that has to do with either sin or anything that's like a spiritual battle when it comes to sinning against God and seeing that God is going to hold back blessings. You know, it's not so much to torture us, but it's in a sense as, you know, whenever we mistreat our parents, our parents would simply say, hey, you know what? Those shoes that you've been wanting, I'm not going to buy them for you because you've been acting like a fool. It's King Solomon is almost doing the same thing here. But, you know, sometimes not everything has to be spiritual, and that's with caution. Because sometimes prayer could be something, simply something that's practical, like, Lord, help me to lose weight. Lord, help me to, you know, not fall over my, myself when I'm going on a jog. Or, Lord, help me to withstand from eating sweets at night. And, it sees, and we see here that, that King Solomon, though he's praying for everything in the spiritual realm, here, he takes time to simply pray for the protection of his men in battle. And now, we have a lot of friends and family who protect the blue line and who serve this country. You know, they selflessly lay their life down so that we don't have to. And a church who stands for a sanctity of justice, our prayers ought to be like King Solomon. You see, the world is in desperate need of unwavering truth and justice. I mean, you can see on the news that everything that is right is considered wrong, and everything that is right, I mean, everything that is wrong is praised to be right. And it seems like as Christians, we have no middle ground, but we do. And our ground is firmly planted on Jesus Christ. That is our ground that we stand on. And so now, as we come to point five, the prayer for peace. Now, this is a, a part that we're going to try to stick in for the next couple minutes or so. You know, I'm seeing it at my time. It's a, it's a quick study, but hey, that's a blessing, right? And so point five reads this, a prayer for peace. Verses 46 all the way to 53, and it reads this. Now, when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to the land of the enemy far or near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive, then hear, O Lord in heaven, your dwelling place, 
their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all the transgression, transgressions which they have transgressed against you and grant them compassion. You know, for the Christian, I think this is something that we could apply to ourselves still very much to this day. I mean, how many times have we ever sinned against God and thought to ourselves, well, it is what it is. You know, maybe better luck next time. You know, there's so much defeat when it comes to our sin. It breaks us down. It holds us away from God's grace, God's love, God's mercy. And when we begin to say, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to wallow in my sin because I've fallen short. In return, we're telling God, you know, your crucifixion, your, the, son, the sacrifice of your son simply was not enough to redeem me. And I really appreciate this prayer of King Solomon because he knows that everybody in the temple that's coming in, that's coming out, everybody that surrounds Jerusalem and Israel, they're all sinners and they all fall short of the glory of God. You know, bad news for us, for we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. The word of God tells us that no one, not anyone is good but God. But good news for us that through Christ we are justified freely by his grave through the redemption of his perfect son, through the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are saved. And it's no longer us who live, but it is Christ who lives through us. And as a wave of encouragement, you know, we all know too well that we lived in a corrupt society, but that does not mean that we're allowed to partake in such corruption. You see, King Solomon knew that God's people needed more than just a temple to worship God. For what they needed above anything else was the the power and the strength of God. You know, my encouragement for this church is that, you know, take this this next week to pray King Solomon's prayer over ourselves, over our family, over our friends, you know, over our nation, definitely over our nation. And really try to, to place ourselves in this position of, Lord, what can I do spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally to really step forth in your kingdom and bring your kingdom here on earth? And um, though this was a, a very short message, you know, I pray that that's an encouragement to you all. I know for myself, it gets very daunting being a Christian, especially when most of my friends I grew up with in the church no longer walk in the faith. And it's hard, especially now more than ever, like saying before, everything that is right is considered to be wrong, but everything that is wrong is considered and is praised to be right. But us as a church, what are we doing to stand different? What are we doing to stand firm? Are we allowing King Solomon's prayer, just as it was before Christ, now after Christ, are we allowing the same prayer to reign over our hearts? And once again, as a wave of encouragement, I encourage you all to simply take time to go over this passage. And though it was a a quick brush through, I pray that we just come to the Lord and ask for a prayer for our people a prayer for perseverance, a prayer for, for pardoning of others, maybe even those who sin against us, a prayer for protection, a prayer for peace, and a prayer for everything and anything that's in between. 
And as I call up the worship band to come up and to close out this night, I want to simply just pray over you as a church. We are living in trying times. It's not to scare you or it's not to make you want to hide away in your house, but it's to make you rejoice, to know that God is coming back. But what's our duty? Our creation is to make followers of Christ, is to go to the unknown parts of this world, or even in our office nook just across the street, or even at a restaurant in and out. It doesn't matter. As believers, our responsibility is to make followers of Christ. And so as the worship team comes up, um, let's close in prayer. Oh, Lord, Father, we just come before you, God. We uh, thank you so much for this, just this time of breaking down the scripture, Lord. I pray that through this that you were glorified and you were magnified as the King Solomon's prayer, Lord. I pray that we hold that prayer deep in our heart, Lord, that we take time to really realize that the words of then still hold the same power for the days of now, Lord. You are glorious. You are still on the throne, and you are still in control, regardless of what the world may look like, regardless of political scandals or drama or things that are in our, in our even in our own day-to-day, Lord. You are still good. You are still in control. And like King Solomon said, Lord, I pray that you forgive us when we do wrong against you, that you have compassion to us, Lord. We are your people, though we have been brought by the blood of your son, I pray that we don't take that for granted, Lord. So I pray that you go before us in this next week as we uh, just walk in faith and I just pray and ask these things in your name and pray. Amen. Now may the God of King Solomon reign in power over you, over your prayers, over your hearts, and may we continue to carry our cross until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen.